You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. God, because of his love, there's a way to salvation. We can come back to him through Jesus Christ and the cross. We can come back to God. His love is immeasurable. It's unmistakable. It's unending. It reaches wherever you are. It'll meet you wherever you might be. Don't wait until you have yourself cleaned up to come to God. He accepts you just as you are. God cleans his own fish. He accepts you just as you are. When you come to Him, He'll begin the cleaning process. The devil sometimes can make you feel like you're too far, you're too deep in sin to come to Christ, that God won't forgive you. Today, Pastor Dave will explain that it doesn't matter how far you are from God now. He's ready to accept you and cleanse you after you become one of His. It doesn't have to be before. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 19 as he continues his message, Words from the Cross. Jesus looks down at the foot of the cross and he sees his mother. Look at verse 26a. When Jesus there saw, therefore saw his mother, looks down from the cross and he sees his mother. Jesus' eyes looking into the face that first greeted him when he came into the world. He knew the pain that she felt, the anguish in her eyes. He wants to comfort her. Seeing a recognizing a close friend that was standing near her mother, Jesus speaks his third set of words from the cross, words of affection towards his mother. Look at the rest of 26. And the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Imagine the anguish that Mary felt in her heart at that moment. She had bore him as a child. He was her firstborn. The first ever to hold in her arms, and she loved him. Imagine her heart as the crowd were jeering at him and and casting lots for his clothes. and It all seemed to be so real. Looking at his head, blood running down from the crown of thorns. She kissed that forehead once. His hands now held the cross by nails. She once remembered and comforted her hands when he hurt them. Her mind must have been filled with all sorts of images. Maybe she was realizing during this time that he wasn't hers. Maybe she was realizing that she was really his. Maybe she was realizing that the one that she bore was truly the creator of the world. Maybe it was all starting to come about and it was all starting to be true. Maybe she saw Almighty God hanging on that cross that day. Maybe it began to sink in. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. So was there a master plan? Was this what God had called her son to do? His eyes moved from his mother and he looked at his beloved disciple John standing there and he spoke to him in verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Not only were they words of affection, they were words of assurance. They were words of assurance to Mary. 
Words of assurance of his great love for her. He chose his choicest disciple, the one who rested his head on his bosom, to be her adopted son and care for hold. Behold your mother. Jesus was telling John, my friend, my friend, take care of her for me. And after all, Jesus was the firstborn. It was his job to take care of his mother. He was supposed to take care of his mother. And it appears right now that Joseph has passed away. If Joseph was alive, why wouldn't he be at the crucifixion? Many believe that it is this time Joseph has passed away. Jesus knew the time was short. He knew that he only had mere hours or moments hanging on that cross. And he had a lot to accomplish. But yet he took great pains to see that his mother was well taken care of. John tells us that from then on, Mary stayed with him. We do know from Scripture that Mary was among the believers in the upper room at Pentecost that day when the Holy Spirit fell. We do know that Mary was there, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the rest of them waiting. What an honor this was for John. What an honor this was. What a beauty I see in Jesus' words. What caring, what purity I see in these words. Brings out, honor thy father and mother. Beauty. We spent a lot of time last week looking at the cross. We spent a lot of time talking about the cross that showed the greatest love story ever told. We spoke of it in length. And what's amazing to me is that here is Jesus, scourged, bloodied, and beaten, nailed to a Roman cross, struggling for every breath, thinking of everybody else except himself. Thinking of everybody else. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thinking of salvation. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Thinking of his mother. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And as I reflect on these first words of the cross, I begin to see something about the extent of Jesus' love. If you ever doubt the love that God has for you, you must go back to the cross. You must go back to the cross. As you examine it and as you survey it, you see Jesus dying in agony, gasping for every breath, but he is aware of the needs of others. He is aware of your needs. He is aware of the sinful nature that the others have. So the first thing he asks for is forgive them. They're not responsible. They know not what they do. When you examine the cross, take heed to the word that Jesus says to the thief, an undeserving sinner, one who knew he was guilty. There are no words of condemnation. There were no words of condemnation. There was no rebuking of sin. There was just love and caring, welcoming words, guiding a sinner into the kingdom of heaven. And then he sees his mother, the one who comforted him when he had his cuts and bruises as a kid. But he sees her at the foot of the cross, heartbroken, weeping, inconsolable. His heart goes out to her. And rather than being consumed by himself and what's going on, trying to take that breath, he's touched by her. He's touched by her need. He was touched by your need. He was touched by the need of the entire world. His compassion was incredible. It was in great. Soon she was going to be a widow, or she was a widow now. 
but she would be known as the mother of a crucified criminal. I mean, she had a lot of things going against her. First of all, they thought that Jesus was illegitimate. And now, well, your, your son was a criminal. He's nothing but a common criminal. Who do you think you are? The other children in her family didn't even believe in Jesus for a while until after the resurrection, so she had that to contend with. When you look at the cross, you have to marvel at the compassion of Jesus. You have to marvel at the compassion of Jesus. Remember in the Gospel of John when he said that he loved them to the end? Here you see him loving to the very end. Loving to the very end. It was the cross and on that cross that Jesus made his love for the world passionately evident. And you've never experienced that kind of love. That kind of love is foreign to you. You always thought that God was some guy up there with a giant wooden spoon waiting for you to mess up so he could whack you upside the head. Maybe that's your opinion of him. And maybe because you had difficulties with your earthly father, you don't think of a heavenly father any different. But as I read the Bible, I find that the supreme and dominant theme throughout the Bible is that God is love. God is love. And his love for us, his love for the world is so overwhelming that we can't fathom it. But we can't recognize it. But because of his holiness, and because he is holy, God cannot condone nor look upon sin. But on the other hand, God loves the sinner. And he has a conundrum. What do I do? Well, it was easy for him. Because he's just, he can't excuse sin. But since his love goes hand in hand with his justice, he's made a provision for sin by the atonement through his son. God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The promise of God's love and the forgiveness are as real, as sure, as positive as human words can make them. You cannot define God's love in human terms. You cannot define it. Even the word agape is made up. The word agape was not an original Greek word. It was a made-up word that they added. That unconditional love. Listen to what one commentator said about this. Quote, But just as the total beauty of the ocean cannot be understood until it is seen, God's love cannot be understood until you experience it, until you actually possess it. No one can fully describe the wonders of God's love. Unquote. Never, ever question God's love. Never question it. For it is unchangeable as anything else in the world. Because the scripture says, I am the Lord, I do not change. God's love is constant, God's love is perfect, and is always flowing towards you. He never holds back his love. It is always flowing towards you. It's an everlasting love. Listen to what he told the prophet Jeremiah. He said this, the Lord has appeared to the old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The cross should prove to even the most skeptic of you that God is not blind to our plight, but that he was willing to suffer for you.
Look at the length he went to get you back to him. Look at the length of what he did. When we talk about Jesus' compassion, we talk about the compassion that Jesus had. Well, it comes from two Latin words. It means to suffer with. When you have compassion on somebody, you suffer with what they're going through. You have compassion on them and your heart breaks for they're going through a bad problem. Jesus had compassion for us. God has compassion on us. We were sinners. We are sinners. But God had compassion on us. He had compassion on us. God's love is all-consuming, and it's a love for mankind. It's demonstrated on the cross. His compassion is embodied there in Jesus Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The Apostle Paul speaks of God's love who was rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us in Ephesians 2, 4. It was the love of God that sent Jesus to the cross. It was the love of God that held Jesus on the cross. But God's love for you did not begin at Calvary. God's love for you did not begin at the cross. God's love for you began before the foundations of the world. Because God is love. He was preexistent before all things. His love was eternal and will always be. It'll never fade away. It'll never go away. Never. Another commentator said, quote, It was love that enabled Jesus Christ to become poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. It was love, divine love, that made him endure the cross, despising its shame. It was love that made him endure the contradicting accusations of sinners against himself. That restrained him when he was falsely accused of blasphemy and that was led to Golgotha to die among common thieves, unquote. It was love that kept him from calling down legions of angels to take them out. He withheld them. It was love that caused him, after every single known torture to man, to ask for their forgiveness. You can wrap up God's love in 25 words. You can wrap up God's love in 25 words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sadly, many people misunderstand God's love. Many people misunderstand it. God's love doesn't mean that everything is going to be sweet and cool and clear and nice and you're not going to go alone without any problems and everything's going to be wonderful and oh boy, let's all grab hands and sing kumbaya. <laughs> not what God's love is all about. But God's holiness demands that all sin be punished. God is holy and he is just. And his holiness demands that all sins be punished, but God's love provided a plan of redemption and salvation for sinful men and women. God's love provided the cross of Jesus Christ by which we can have forgiveness and cleansing. Where do I find out about this love? In God's word. God's word is a revelation of what his love is all about. God's word explains his love in explicit terms. It shows its love, and it continues to show its love. When I preach justice to you, it needs to be tempered with love. When I preach righteousness to you, it needs to be tempered in love. 
Because God has tempered his word with love. When we preach atonement, it is atonement that was planned by love, provided by love, given by love, finished by love, and necessitated by love. When we preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's a miracle of love. When we preach the turn of Christ, it's the fulfillment of love. I'm here to tell you, tell you today that no matter what sin you've committed or how dirty, shameful, or terrible you or it may be, I'm here to tell you that the Word of God says that He loves you. God loves you. You might even be at the very gates of hell itself. Well, don't trip over Jesus Christ on your way in. Accept what has happened on the cross. Because of the love that God has for you, this eternal love, he's offering you a way back. Because he is holy, our sins have separated from him. But thanks be to God, because of his love, there's a way to salvation. We can come back to him through Jesus Christ and the cross. We can come back to God. His love is immeasurable. It's unmistakable. It's unending. It reaches wherever you are. It'll meet you wherever you might be. Don't wait until you have yourself cleaned up to come to God. He accepts you just as you are. God cleans his own fish. He accepts you just as you are. When you come to him, he'll begin the cleaning process. He'll begin to work in you. He'll begin to take care of you. Don't look back. Look forward to Jesus Christ. Don't look at what you did. Look at what you can be. You can be a child of God. You can be one of his own children. And you move forward into his arm, forgetting that which is behind. I press on to the high goal. The glorious call of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what your past is. We all have a past. Doesn't matter what your past is. It's what your present that counts. Sadly, God's love can be rejected. God's love can be rejected. God will never force himself upon anybody. He has given you this free will. He's given you this will to make a choice. This will to make a choice. God has given you this will. You can hear a message about love of God. And you can say, I don't want it. I'm not going to have it. And God will let you go without his love without recognizing his love, although he still loves you. It's just like the two thieves on the cross. They heard the same message. They both heard the same thing. One came to Christ. The other one died in his sin. It's as simple as that. If you really want it, though, you must believe by faith. Lord, Savior, what must we do to enter, do the works of the God? Believe upon him whom he sent. Believe upon Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the Son of God. Believe that he died on the cross for your sin. Believe that he was buried and he rose again. Believe he now sits on the right hand of God the Father. Scripture says, and you will be saved. But there needs to be a definite, positive act of commitment and surrender to the love of God on your part. You need to say, Man, Lord, I messed up. I really blew it. I ask for your forgiveness. You need to be honest with him. It's not like he doesn't know. 
It's not like he doesn't know what's going on in your lives. Nobody else can do it for you. I wish that I could or all my kids would be saved. I wish I could accept for them, but I can't. Each one of us has to do it for ourselves. You can sit all the days of your life in Calvary Chapel, all the days of your life in Calvary Chapel, and still die without Jesus Christ if you don't make that acceptance on your own. Because when you get to heaven and you say, oh, I went to Calvary Chapel, God may say, how's that working out for you? (laughs) Or you can just open your heart and say, Lord, I receive you. Scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Point blank. There's no quantitatives there. There's no qualifications there. There's no other things there. Whomever, whomever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I guess I'm going to end this today as, have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you made that profession of faith? Are you a child of God? Or are you still a child of your father, the devil? That's scriptural. You can't have it both ways. To be undecided is to be decided. God is calling you. He wants you. These are the last days. We expect Christ to return at any moment. We expect that he's coming back for his church. Are you a member of his church? Well, I go to Calvary Chapel. That's not what I asked. I ask, are you a member of his church? To be a member of his church, you must accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. You must be born again by the Spirit. Yeah, I said it, born again. You must be born again by the Spirit into a living hope. Not by the will of man, but by the will of God. You're sitting here today, the Holy Spirit is touching your heart. He's calling you within your heart. And he's giving you a message. Come to me. Give your heart to me. Time is fleeting. It will soon all be over. Come to me. Do not delay another moment. Come to me. You've heard the message. I'm responsible for giving you the message. You're responsible for taking the message and receiving it. What you do with it is your responsibility, not mine. I've done what God has called me to do this morning. To deliver you this message, this gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Salvation by Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, given to you by God. Free. What you do with it is your choice. All because of a cross. All because of a cross. We see these great words spoken by Jesus. These wonderful things that Jesus said on the cross, even while he was dying, his heart was for other people. We're going to study what I call the greatest ultimate battle cry ever. And Jesus cries out, it is finished. You are the book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.